This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Layer. Layer is redefining the way businesses purchase and manage their commercial liability insurance by giving control of the process back to the business owner. More on that later. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Jen Marr. She's the founder of Inspiring Comfort LLC, very passionate about furthering the science of human care through the skill of comfort. And she's also the author of a book called Pause to Comfort, an everyday guide to learning how you can help mend our disconnected world. And I want to throw in that she had a great collaborator for the design of this call by the name of Sky Quinn. It's a beautiful book. It's not your typical kind of business dry book. There's lots of illustrations and, and images and just beautiful design. So Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here, John. So I want to start by defining the three core beliefs in the book that, that, that you have defined and then uh, get into kind of uh, unpacking each. The core beliefs, the comfort is critical to mending our disconnected world. That comfort is a skill that we all need to relearn and that we can learn a lot about comfort from dogs. This is, <laughs> listeners, this is not your typical show. But let's talk about dogs, though, and, and just the idea of, of comfort through dogs. When I was growing up, we had a collie for really, you know, I was maybe, I remember them driving up with her, and I was about six, maybe. And then my mom told me uh, she passed when I was in college. So we had her a long time when I was growing up. And I distinctly remember anytime I got in trouble, I would go find the dog and I would just lay down with the dog. <laughs> and I think, I think we all instinctively kind of have probably many people have had that experience and instinctively kind of think of, of dogs as v being very comforting. But tell me a little bit about the work that you've done to, to not just have that be sort of a in our gut feeling, but actually maybe even science proving that. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, John, as I think you read in my book, I never set out to do this, right? I, yeah. I uh, found myself helping in the aftermath of Sandy Hook Elementary after that tragic shooting and in crisis response teams throughout Western Connecticut and um, New York and was really helping school districts and communities help to rebuild after traumatic events, taking comfort dogs in. And I realized over five years of literally doing this every day that these dogs were doing work that humans used to do. And it really led me to this profound eye-opening experience that we're losing our way, that we are all in need of a skill that we're really kind of bad at giving now in the world we live in with all of our changes. And I sat and I watched, what is it that the dogs are doing? And really just started on this journey of what is it about them? And learned that, you know, a dog has a brain of a two to three-year-old. And, and what does that mean? It, their brains don't take over what they do. They're all heart, right? Just like you said when you were growing up. And they, they are there for you. They know when you're hurting. They're never on their phones. They're never too busy. They forgive. Diversity never gets in their way. They bring you joy. They know when to work. They know when to play. Their care behaviors are what we should be as humans. And the more that I watched this and learned it, it led me to this quest of we have to be better at caring for each other. And dogs can be a beautiful 
illustration of what we can do. And who doesn't love a dog? It shortens the learning curve. It opens people's hearts. And it really led me to this whole journey. So so we could just sum this up all that we should all be more like dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, really, right? So, so. The, the book is Pause to Comfort. The name of your business is Inspiring Comfort. So I think comfort's one of those words that if you got 10 people together, they would sort of define it all differently. You know, it's a, it's sort of a relative term. So so maybe help uh, help us by, by, can you give us your definition of comfort? Well, absolutely. You know, what's really interesting, John, is comfort, the core of the word is a Latin word. C-O-M means together with. F-O-R-T is fortis, which is strong. This word was originally meant strong together, right? It's basically over the years combined with this French word comfort, totter, and grown into more of a pain barrier. So now we hear comfort for air conditioning units and airline seats, but it was really meant to be the core word of emotional strength together. And as I was out in the field working in these school districts and towns and communities and watching what what programs were out there to really try to help people recover. There are good programs, but I found that people weren't connecting, right? And, and that's what dogs were doing. They were connecting. They were, whereas humans couldn't, humans were awkward. And I found a lot of programs out there were programs like kindness, which were random acts, which kindness programs are great, right? But random acts won't result in connection. And empathy, same thing. It's a beautiful emotion. But even Harvard concludes there's an empathy action gap. So comfort is a skill. And as we got out there and started working with this, you can't comfort someone without connecting with them. And as you comfort them, you're going to listen better. You're going to um, have more courage. You're going to be more intentional. And then empathy and compassion and all those great emotions get carried along with it. So we like to say that comfort is a skill that comes straight from the heart and carries all these beautiful qualities with it and teaches care and connection along with it. So so you and I are recording this on the day that <clears throat> there was a presidential uh, inauguration. And I would say, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of it, but I would say the overarching message might have been about connection <laughs> and about yeah. you know healing the divide. So, you know, why do you think you mentioned a couple of words I was going to mention empathy, uh, certainly being one of them, but, but why do you think connection is really the key? I'm sorry. Why do you think comfort is really the key to helping people mm-hmm. connect? Yeah. Comfort at its core is really helping someone go through a difficult time, right? There's this there's a great quote out there that the common touch of humanity that gives the world true kinship, true connection is not joy, but sorrow, right? So when we are going through a hard time, it's when we're going to connect the best. And so, you know, what we really want to do is we want to listen. We have a divided world right now and core cuts right down to those core comfort, (laughs) cuts right down to those core human needs we have. We all need a sense of belonging. We all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. We want to feel trusted, understood. We want community and relationships. And comfort at its core does that because it listens, tries to understand, and it tries to respond by listening to comfort the person, not listening with your own and to say your own opinion. Right. I'm sure you've encountered the occasional sort of arms crossed 
you know, cynical person about <laughs> this, this idea of learning or relearning comfort. And, and, and I'm sure some people say, well, you know, some people are just, I mean, we all know people that are great at that. And, and, <laughs> and, and I'm sure that there are some people that say, well, that's just their personality. That's who they are. But I guess you're suggesting that it's, you're calling it a skill, which means it can be learned or relearned. Absolutely. It's an action, right? There are specific steps. We're working real closely with Dr. David DeSteno out of Northeastern to really build out this evidence-based skill. And it really takes us on a journey. And if you look at the science of how we're wired, especially in times of COVID and all of this now, you know, what happens when we are under stress or going through hard times, our bodies are flooded with cortisol, right? What offsets that cortisol is oxytocin, which is our relationship hormone. So even you get like Dr. Arthur Evans of the American Psychological Association that says the number one way to offset the stress of COVID and everything we're dealing with is human connectedness, right? And what better way for human connectedness is to do it in a way of deep care, right? It's not like you know, we, we connect fine when we go to an amusement park or a party or a football game, like that's fine. And then it ends up being a little more surface and we really get to understand each other when we help each other through our difficult times. And so that is why comfort we are learning is the absolute best way to find connection and to get There's, through this, this epidemic and, and everything else. There's a great Bob Dylan song called a Brownsville girl. And one of the lyrics in the song is I'm going to butcher, but something to do with, you know, people who suffer together are, you know, much better off than, you know, people that are mostly content, I guess is, is sort of the, the essence of it. I, I butchered it. Sorry, Bob Dylan fans. No, um, that's great. <laughs> but I think it, it, I was reminded of it when you said it. So you mentioned a couple settings like, you know, people that, that I think are in more natural sort of caregiving settings and things and comfort is, you know, part of their role. I mean, you know, I can envision a, a senior, you know, aid organization being called comfort care, you know, or something, something <laughs> along those lines, because people often associate that with comfort. But you talk a little bit about comfort in the workplace. And I, I, I suspect that that's an area where people feel like, well, wait a minute, this is, even though it's necessary, it seems taboo. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, if you read in the first part of my book, there was an outline of all of our societal changes, right? right. And, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin and I had all my relatives nearby, right? Like everybody was driving distance. And, and you know, the generation before us, they, they kind of went where their cars could go. And then the next generation went where planes could go. And it really changed the whole way that we have our social connections, right? So our social connections have moved away from communities because we're all so far apart from each other now. And schools and the workplaces actually are having to pick up the slack to be social connection centers. But yet we're doing this at a time when it is so awkward because of our use of technology to actually know how to connect, right? And so I think... You know, the word comfort can kind of sound to some maybe like mindfulness and meditation, right? Like it's all of this wellness based kind of programming that's really going to help us be our best selves at work. But comfort's a little meatier than that because it's actually a skill. And so mindfulness and meditation are great because they really focus on our inward self, right? Self-regulating our emotions and, and doing all that. And that's great. But as Arthur Evans said, social connectedness is the key 
to our physical and our emotional health. So if we don't have good connectedness in the workplace, you're not going to have a productive team. People are not going to be coming to work motivated. They're probably not going to meet their goals, definitely not exceed their goals, probably not even get near their goals if they don't feel seen, heard, and supported. And so, you know, there's a lot of different things that can be done just to help someone be a better listener and ask the right questions to make sure that someone does feel seen and heard in the workplace. And now a word from our sponsor. Layer is making high quality commercial insurance easily accessible and affordable for more than 25 million small businesses throughout America. It's a startup that is building better insurance for emerging U.S. businesses by using artificial intelligence and machine learning to recommend and match companies with the insurance policies and coverage they need and accurately predict carrier pricing. Hassle-free business insurance, 100% online. You can pay monthly with a credit card. Check it out at withlayer.com. That's with L-A-Y-R.com. So give me maybe a couple tangible examples of how somebody would bring this idea, you know, into their leadership skills or into, you know, the workplace. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that we've built out during COVID, because it changed everything, in the back of the book, you might see there's an assessment. We've actually taken that assessment and put it in online so that we can now, we love to have data. So we can go into a workplace and say, let's survey your workforce prior to doing a session and really understand where their human care behaviors stand, right? How, how good are they at these basic human care traits? And they will rate themselves, rate how they think about this field, and then take a training and actually do the survey after. So we can kind of measure the results of that. But as part of the programming, they'll take this assessment, which really does assess their own skills. So everybody can kind of find what everybody wants to be a better friend. Everybody wants to know what to do, John. You know, it's if I've learned one thing over these last eight years is that people are just awkward. And we live mm-hmm. in a society now where people are so respectful of other cultures and other people that they're not close with, that they're so afraid to say the wrong thing that they don't say anything. And so it really breaks it down with this assessment to say, John, what are you good at? Like, what is your favorite way of communicating and what are your gifts of action? And, and where are your awkwardnesses? What are your barriers to really reaching out to people? And, you know, it's nothing big that we learn to do. It's just a lot of little things day by day to remove that awkwardness. So do you use dogs in the actual, in your actual sessions? No, 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 that was, that was back when I worked with them, but that led to the work I'm doing right now. I I think it'd be fabulous as a, as an example, like you said, I mean, it's so easy to see how a dog can read your emotions and things certainly Mm -hmm. better than humans, but I'm sure there are some logistic issues with that too. So talk a little bit about the role of social media in this. You know, you as I heard you talking about how we used to be in, in churches and communities or towns and then schools and, and workplaces now, you know, it seems like a lot of people get their social connection from, you know, this little device now, yeah. you know, right or wrong. So what role does that play in facilitating or debilitating, you know, comfort? Social media is tough when it comes to comfort. It really is. It, it impedes the whole way of the flow of letting people know what you need. It kind of gets hijacked sometimes by 
someone that wants to be the first to share. I share a story in the book that actually, while I was writing the book, my sister tragically lost her husband. And Mm -hmm. I had had a lot of people checking in to see how he was. And I was driving to go see her and I didn't have time to answer all these texts. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to pull over to the side and I'm going to just put a nice post on Facebook. And John, it was a beautiful post. I had this great picture. I wrote these beautiful words for my brother-in-law. And I got back in the car and kept driving. So I didn't have to reply to all the texts. And it wasn't even 10 minutes. And my sister called me and she said, Jen, can you please take the post down? And I all of a sudden realized I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm writing a book on comfort. And I did the wrong thing. And so here my sister was, people were finding out about her husband dying from my Facebook post instead of from her. And so what happens is so many times it can, it's going out to a group where comfort really does need to be one-on-one. And so many times we learn what's better from what we do wrong. And that was a huge wake up call for me that day because we, we can even intend to do the right thing and then slip up. So when it comes to comfort, we really do want to take that to a one-on-one. We don't want to be doing that on social media. We want to show people we care on social media. But, you know, there's this great line out there, John, with our loneliness epidemic, with isolation, with all of that. And, you know, the point is, is loneliness is not about being by yourself. It's not about being alone. It's feeling like no one cares, right? And so you can be in a big group of people and not really know anyone and feel way more lonely than in an apartment by yourself, very well adjusted with good friends that you're calling on the phone. And so when it comes to social media, sometimes it doesn't seem like you really care. It is that that one-on-one that really is so critical to making sure someone feels cared for. You know, it's interesting. I've I've heard from more than one person that social media time on social media actually makes them feel more isolated because you know everybody else's life is better than theirs on social media. <laughs> so I think it kind of goes to that that point. You know, the topic of of introverts versus extroverts is is a pretty hot one right now. I wonder if you have an observation about you know again I I talked about this idea of some people are just better at it, and I I think that. Mm-hmm. Their makeup, you know, might have something to do with that. It's not to say they can't learn, but some people, it probably just comes more naturally. In your observation, you know, does uh, somebody who has a more introverted personality versus extroverted tend to be more natural at comfort? Well, I think they're more natural at listening. And I think they're uh, an more introvert. natural at, yeah, an introvert yeah. is much more natural at listening, right? But much more hesitant to take the step. They're going to find themselves probably in the awkward zone a little more often, whereas an extrovert probably won't let themselves get in the awkward zone. They're going to plow through and they're going to be the one, if you write about the supermarket scenario, right, they run into the supermarket and they'll run into someone they know and just start talking, 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 and kind of a little more uncomfortable that they talk more than they listen. So they're going to go out and try and do things more naturally than an introvert, but an introverts are so gifted at, at the stillness and the listening and really making someone feel heard. So it goes back to this assessment and that we each are wired in a beautiful way to care for people. And if we understand that, and we understand that if I'm an introvert, okay, it's going to take a little more for me to reach out. But when I do reach out, I'm going to have the gifts. But if I'm an extrovert, okay, I don't have a problem reaching out 
but I'm going to need to use my heart a little more than my brain and, and kind of working with everybody's skill set. Yeah. As, as is mostly the case, self-awareness is the key, isn't it? So, all right, you mentioned the assessment and we'll have a link to it in the show notes, but uh, so let's say I take the assessment, uh, what's the first step? What do I do now to, to get better at this? Yeah. And I'm just going to say right now, John, the assessment was built during COVID and so it is still in beta. And so happy to talk to people about that. But the whole point is, is to do the programming around that assessment, right? There's an action plan associated with it. What we want to try to do is just like if you're going on a diet or an exercise plan, like deepening your relationships and caring for those around you really comes back and helps you more than any form of self-help. It just, it, it brings it all back. It's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling ways of life. So it just is going to take practicing it a little each day. And that is the goal of the assessment. You know, it's interesting. One observation I had when COVID hit, and certainly I work with businesses and a lot of them were very, you know, we were all freaked out. Like, what is this going to mean? You know, it's new, it's scary. And it's interesting, but I noticed the businesses that, I don't want to say thrived, but the businesses that, that, you know, had sort of the right approach took the tack of getting closer there, closer to their customers at that moment. And in a lot of, you know, various ways, whether it's more communication or just open and honest, like we don't know what's going on either. And, and I think that there, you know, there certainly is a lesson in that, isn't there? Absolutely. Because everybody's struggling right now. You know, one of my favorite things, part of the books when I worked with Sky on designing it is how do you design a timeline that shows from the beginning of human history until about 2010, we roughly communicated the same, right? We we had to be by voice or whatever, but 2010, when, you know, when smartphones hit the market and it really became screen to screen, our entire way of communicating has changed. And so how do you take all of human history compared to 10 years and try to flip how our whole way of communicating is is changed and that is where the awkwardness is happening right we know that as kids are and adults are into smartphones and social media we do not feel seen and heard and understood as much and so it really is coming back to understanding that we have to relook at all of these behaviors in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools. And it's not anything that can't be done because we're wired to do it. Yeah. And when we do it, we're happier. Awesome. So Jen, tell people where they can find out more about the book and about uh, about your work, if you would. Yeah. Thank you, John. Please go to inspiringcomfort.com uh, where you can learn about our programming. Visit us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, Jen, it was great catching up with you. I appreciate you stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to run into you in person when we're out there doing that sort of thing again. Wouldn't that be great? Thank you, John. 